Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, where we take a look back at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is 1959's Best Palmer. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Um, I'm ready to talk about these. I'm tar- ready to talk about these movies. These five best movies. These five best movies that we that we watched together. Um, one would say they're they're movies. They um, are. So if you're joining us for the first time, uh, go back and listen to the other episodes. Yeah. What also, the hell are you doing? Also, um, this is the podcast where Palmer and I are re-examining the best picture nominees of the Oscars from previous years, um, seeing if they hold up, whether the best picture is the best picture, and so on and so on. This is based on nothing but our own opinion. Our expert opinion. One would say we are experts in our own opinions. You are correct. So uh, the movies the movies this time around are Gigi, Separate Tables, Auntie Mame, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and The Defiant Ones. Which one of these would you say are the best pictures? Gigi, Separate Tables, Auntie Mame, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, or The Defiant Ones? Gigi. Gigi is actual was the best picture. That is correct. Mm, okay. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Palmer does not know what won best picture, and I do. And Gigi is the cor- is the correct movie. I'm curious as to why you thought Gigi because it's a musical. Yeah. Usually. This is this is the era where Hollywood loved musicals. This is true. What you don't love musicals now? I love musicals. Hollywood doesn't really. <laughs> I don't agree with that. I think they're just maybe fussier about which musicals they like. Well, they used to make like you can't say Hollywood doesn't day. like musicals now when all everybody had talked about a couple of months ago was La La Land. No, that was all you talked about. You are not everybody. No, everybody. Yeah, yeah. So you can't say Hollywood doesn't. That's because still what's like his musicals. name was in it? Ryan Gosling. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's more than that. It's the only reason. I don't think so. Mm. Okay, so we'll have to find out when we get to that year. Indeed, so it's going to be a while. <laughs> um, so let's start with let's do Defiant Ones, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Auntie Mame, Separate Tables, and then Gigi for Best Picture. Let's go in that order. Sure. Okay. All right. So the Defiant Ones, directed by Stanley Kramer, uh, written by Nedrick Young and Harold Jacob Smith, starring Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier. Um, so the fine ones is about these two guys, uh, Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier, who are convicts and they're chained together. Yes, they were on a chain gang. And they're on a chain gang, and their and their bus goes off the road, and they're able to escape, but they are stuck together because they're they're linked at the arms, right? Um, by twenty nine, um, I think it's I think it's twenty nine inch chain, something like that. Um, and so they are. Um, so they are linked together, and Tony Curtis, uh, Tony Curtis, is a bit of a racist, and so it's really the movie's really about him overcoming his racism as they try to as they try to escape. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that accurate in saying? Uh, that is what I believe is the literal definition of this movie. I don't know. Okay, I don't. One, they they can't see you put quotes up in the air. Well, they should be able to. They can't. Um. So, my biggest problem with this is, yeah, Tony Curtis has like some racism. Sure. You know, and this is a time where 
where there was a lot more racist people out in the world than this character Tony Curtis is playing. Now, okay. I don't know if that's because um, they don't want Tony Curtis to come off that badly. Um, I think it's also, but it's also practices and standard, like what you can say, yeah. and what you can show. But I feel like the, I feel like this movie could have been done so much better if his, like, both of the characters are not necessarily likable. It's not like Sydney. I think, I think Sydney Poitier is pretty likable. Eh, he, he's likable because he's Sydney Poitier. Maybe but like his, that could be true. But like his character isn't like, oh, it's like he was in jail for a misunderstanding. Oh, or, no, they're both in jail because they're not good people. Right. Yeah. Um. So they, like, I don't know. The The characters are, are very samey aside from that little aspect. And there's no real, like, I don't see a lot of differentiation between them. Well, isn't but that's but that's the point. That's what Tony Curtis, Tony Curtis's character, uh, Joker, mm-hmm. is. He is. He thinks there's this wide difference between them, and it turns out there's not. And that's the, how he gets over it is the fact that they are not so different. You and I, you know, yeah. That, that's the whole. That's the whole point. So the I, fact that you can see that there's not a difference between them yeah. means you're not racist. Congratulations. I. <laughs> I think the concept has been done better. Be, be, over the better years. before or no, since? Since. Okay, well, this but movie I mean, came out in nineteen fifty nine. Yeah, and that's one of the that's one of the downsides to going backwards and and watching some of these older movies. And this is why we talked about this. Like this to me doesn't hold up because this has been done a lot better. Sure, but I think I that's a tough call to make because if you say like Something's been done better than the original, which is a lot of the times the case, you know, then then you're really diminishing the importance of the original by saying like, oh, it would have been done better with or without this thing. Yeah, very true. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Without this, this kind of sets the this kind of sets the groundwork. So in that aspect, I can see the significance of it. Mm hmm. Um, but overall, like I just, some of the characters, like, so some of the characters aside from the main two, yep. um, just somewhat come off foolish. Oh, I carbon don't, copy. I, yeah, I don't disagree with you. Um, um, like, so towards the middle of the movie, we get the, uh, we get the mother and son that they come across. Yep. Uh, the son is a, just to me is a moron. They like have no ability to really threaten this kid, and they're like, "Hey, where do you live? I live over here, sir." Oh yeah. <laughs> What's well, your name? My name's this, sir. Well, kids were kids were polite then, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then they get to his house, and the mother is just like, mm, "That Tony Curtis." That was weird. I totally agree <laughs> with you. She's like, "Ooh, a man." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> like, so I think. I don't think you're wrong in that this movie doesn't hold up in some ways like that way, but I yeah. think I think its themes are still extremely relevant today. Okay. Yeah. So much so that actually the Defiant Ones has been remade twice already, once in the eighties, I think. And then it's actually a mini series that came out this year. Are you sure the miniseries is based off of the movie? Because I think the miniseries is actually just about Dr. Dre. Oh uh, well, 
if that's the case. Yeah. I just saw I just saw Yeah, I, no, I know what you're saying. Um but I came across that too. I mean, the other while you're looking that up, the other thing Yep, you are totally right. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Levine and Dr. Dre. Well, that is mis- that is so upsetting. Yeah. Um, well, th- there was definitely another remake, I think, in the Yeah, 80s. there definitely was a remake. Um, the, really, the only, and I don't know why, but the only scene that I really liked in this movie, because I think if, like, it kind of maybe glimpsed me to what the movie I wanted was a little bit more. Sure. Was when, they, when they're going to be lynched by this group, and Tony Curtis is just sitting there going, no, you can't lynch me. I, I'm white. Yeah, like that. That was, like, that was a great scene. Like that was a really good scene, and I'm like, oh, I wish this movie had more of this. Mm. No, that's a that's a that's a fair point. Um, I didn't really think of it that way. I kind of, I kind of took on the best bits about it that I really liked. Yeah, and then I maybe I like like I brushed some of the other stuff under the rug. I mean, I, I guess you do that with some movie uh, some yeah. movies, but but I thought but I thought like. Tony Curtis and Cindy Poitier were really I thought they were really watchable together. They had a really good chemistry. Yeah. And I thought it was I thought it was shot really well. So and I thought the writing was good because it was still relevant. Okay. I I will give you I will give you the relevance, but my my fault on the writing on this is I think this movie is infinitely better if it doesn't split as much time as it does between them and the cops chasing them. Say that, wait, say that again? So this movie is kind of split between them on the run and having their madcap adventures Man through the on land the run. and the cops chasing them, the cops trying to close in. Sure. And I think we could get a better meteor movie if we tone down the cops kind of closing in. Like, you can still have that on the periphery because you assume the cops are trying to close in and they're, you know, they're somewhat always near a radio or that, so you could always hear, like, ah, cops closing in on on the two escaped convicts, see? Sure, but that that creates some kind of tension. Otherwise, like, you feel like they're just getting away. Mm. Yeah, I didn't really feel the tension. I didn't feel much of the actually there were bits that I felt it like when they were in like towns and stuff like that, but I yeah. didn't really feel it with the cops. I think you're you're right. Cuz it was kind of, the cops were kind of not morons, but they were like, "Oh, that's a doberman. I've right. never seen a dog like that before." Yeah. And I was like, "You know, dudes, you got some like you got some people on the run." Right. Yeah. And, and those scenes are taking away what could be more scenes like fleshing out any conflicts that these characters who are chained together are having. Like, mm. I think there's there's just not a lot of what I thought this movie should have had. So it's just, it didn't go hard enough for right. you, I guess. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's a fair, that's a fair point. Um, I think I, I try to watch each film as I know it takes place in each era, mm-hmm. you know? So when I say like, is the movie timeless? Does it still hold up? It's not necessarily about the, it's not necessarily about the, uh, the writing, the acting, or the set design, or how it's shot. But sometimes it's a, just about: is it still relevant? Like, yeah. do the does is what the movie trying to stay still matter? Um, and it does, and that's why I think I think I liked it. I certainly liked it a lot more than you. Yeah. Um, it actually kind of reminded me of the Fugitive 
not just because there were people on the run from the law, but like the bus goes over the side and they escape into the wilderness. Yeah. And and then there's the cops like being like, "Get me a cup of coffee." No, you give me a donut with a little sprinkles on it. And it just kind of, I kind of wanted to see like more of like the Tommy Lee Jones right, type right. of cops chasing because because when you say like less cops, more running. I, I I think of the fugitive and how that movie really works because of the two. Yeah, it really works because of the two, um, uh, like cop and chasey. Yes, but I think in the fugitive, he's always he's always right on his tail. Like the cops and the fugitives in this movie don't really like, like catch they, up to they each other till the each end. Other. They're in the stairway. They're on opposite ends of the building. Right. Whereas something. the fugitive, like, there's that memorable scene on the top of the water. You know, on the yeah. top of the waterfall. You know, he he catches up to him halfway through the movie, and then he kind of it just kind of keeps going. Right. Like that. That's a that's a good point. But that's that's all I was saying. It did remind me of. So this movie. Do you want to know what it won? Other Oscars. I'm going to tell, tell you anyway. Okay. Uh, it won best writing. Original content, okay, uh, and it won best cinematography. Uh, I could see, I could kind of see cinematography. Yeah, I thought this movie was shot really well, and like in an age of Technicolor, they opted for black and white, yeah. which is like a nice like oh black and white because they're black and white. Do you get it? It's fun. Well, I don't think yeah, uh, that might not have been. Well, that could have been. It could have been. That could have been the reason. But I mean. Not everything was shot in color at this point. No, that's true. But every movie that we watched and the rest of the on these lineups are black and are in color. No, separate tables is black and white. Oh, it is black and white. You're right. Wait, is it? Yeah. No. Okay, never mind. But you know what? I'm sticking with my hands. <laughs> Let's move on. Cat on hot tin roof. Meow 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 meow. The prequel to Snakes on a Plane. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, directed by Richard Brooks. Written by. Richard Brooks and James Poe, by, um, based on the play by Tennessee Williams, famous for edited by Richard Brooks. Edited by Richard, everything's <laughs> by Richard. Yep. Um, um, I was going to say Streetcar Named Desire, Tennessee Williams, but oh, you stepped I thought, on my. I thought you were asking what the movie was famous for. Oh no, just everything. I was like, it's Mistreatment of Cats. Mistreatment of Cats, starring Elizabeth Taylor, mm-hmm. Paul Newman, Burl Ives. Ah, and, the snowman. And Jack Cars. All I could think of the whole movie was Rudolph, and I was having a really hard time getting over it. Because uh, uh, he even has the same mustache. Right. It, it was, it's great. It's great. I've yeah. never seen Burl Ives in anything before. Neither have I. I was actually <laughs> thinking about that. but I, And it was funny, because I was thinking about that, and I was like, I'm gonna, I am gonna, want to tell that to Tim. And then Tim, like, I was trying to think, because wasn't he in, um, wasn't he in, was it Holiday Inn? Or the uh, the song that um is it that that movie that has like the really famous um you mean White Christmas? Christmas song yes but isn't White Christmas like not initially in White Christmas like it's from like Holiday Inn or um I'm not that's a good question actually I'm not sure I mean it's uh, definitely in White Christmas yeah but I think like it came out in this movie first and I thought he was in one of those movies. So I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Tim like man I've never seen Burl Ives in a movie before and you're gonna be like what you've never seen this movie before? Um, I'm looking at his. I'm looking at his. I don't see. Nope, he's not in any of other. He's not in any Christmas movie that uh, I can he's see. In Rudolph. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Nope, doesn't look like it. <laughs> that was enough for him. That was enough. Rudolph was plenty. All right. So cat on a hot tin roof. Yeah. Um. 
this is lauded as one of the best films of all time. Is con- it's continually on okay. like the like you need to see this movie because it's amazing and all this stuff. And I watched this movie, mm-hmm. and there are too many cats on this mother effing roof. <laughs> Just uh, get down already. You are watching the wrong movie because yeah. <laughs> there's actually no cats on any roof whatsoever. Anywhere. Yeah. Though I mean, Elizabeth, for, if you've never seen the movie, people, it's it's a uh, it's a. F- I don't know if I want to want to spoil too much of it because it's actually it's really to spoil. I guess. Look at at this point, we're so many episodes in. They know that if they haven't seen these movies yet, we're spoiling. That's it. true. You can't talk about them without spoiling. You really them, can't. So. Not as in depth and expertly as we do. Yes, expertly is the key word there. Yep. Um. Yep. So much literary <laughs> criticism going on. Um. So, so the, the basic story is that you have it's about this family, mm-hmm. and it's um, Paul Newman is married to Elizabeth Taylor, and he's an uh, an alcoholic ex sports star who has broken his leg. Yes, and there she's Elizabeth Taylor's trying real hard to like be in love with and have Paul Newman still be in love with her, and he's trying real hard not to be. Yeah. Um, and succeeding, uh, somewhat. So. M- meanwhile, it's her parents, right? His. It's his pa- his parents. His parents are um, back, and Big Daddy, played by Burl Ives, is this like he just went to the doctor and he was told he doesn't have cancer and it's all clear yeah. and everything. But the He's doctor, got a spastic colon, right? But apparently, the doctor has lied to him because he doesn't know how to tell because that's what doctors do he doesn't know how to tell his own patient that he's that he's dying right of cancer and so and it's about this fam like like some people know some people don't and it's just like a hot mess there is with some cats essentially you have you have three you have three groups of people in this movie mm-hmm. you have big daddy and big mama and the doctors you have uh Paul Newman and Elizabeth Taylor. Yep. And you have his brother and sister-in-law. Yep. And every one of these groups and every, and not necessarily everyone in those groups, but all of these groups have some sort of secret. Mm. Um, you don't know exactly why Paul Newman is, is not still in love with Elizabeth Taylor there's there's some sort of divide there that you can't figure out. Um, the doctor's the same thing with uh, Big Daddy and Big Mama. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because Big Mama doesn't even know. No, nope. like, the doctor didn't tell anybody. No, he didn't tell anybody. And the brother, the brother and sister-in-law, their whole thing is we need to, you know, we need to get Big Daddy to leave us this entire plantation. Yep. You know because of you know. We want it. Yeah. Also, yeah. their children yeah. are the most horrid individuals ever. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, they're, they're just awful. Awful. Um, so last last week I was talking about uh, Lion in the Winter. And yep. we were talking about how... Lion in Winter, uh, not the winter. It should be the winter. It's not the... It rolls off the tongue. Um, we were talking about how everybody in that movie never actually says what they mean. It's always like right. 15 shades 
away from what they actually mean. It's like if they say hello, yeah. yeah. If they say hello, like you have to figure out why they said hello, why they want you to think they said hello, and why they actually said hello. That's why that movie was amazing. See, I didn't like it because of that. Like I felt there was way too many layers. Mm-hmm. This has just enough layers. Okay. Like this has enough that things go on beyond what they're saying that mm. it's, it's slowly torn away as the movie progresses. Okay. Um, and actually, I think it's, I just thought of this, it kind of mirrors very well with the actual weather. Like as, like, as each thing kind of gets slipped away, the weather outside gradually gets worse. Mm-hmm. The wind kicks up, the sun goes away, and then when everyone kind of figures out what's going on in all the circles, mm-hmm. the rainstorm is hitting at its hardest. Oh, that was very good. I thought so. Very clever of yeah. you to notice such things. Very good. Very good. I'm you good get an A in today's class. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I thought... I thought it was. I mean, I, I get it's Tennessee Williams, so you you know it's well written and it's all well layered and it's all the things. But it is, I'm a little biased. It's the exact kind of story that I. It's not the exact kind of story I don't like. Um, but it's just I feel like it's it's missing something. Like I didn't know what it is. It's not even that it's missing something. I didn't. There wasn't really a character that I was like, yeah. You're the one I'm going to attach myself to. Aww. You know what I mean? Like I attached For myself me, it was to Burl Ives. <laughs> I attached myself to Burl Ives, but I think because it's Burl Ives, yeah, and I have an emotional attachment to the snowman yeah. narrator from Rudolph. <laughs> um, but it, like it doesn't. It there was nobody. It's kind of like The Great Gatsby for me, where there's nobody in that story that I'm like. You're you're an awesome person because they're all pretty awful people, and I and I. I appreciate the story and I like the story in a way because of that because I like what it's doing mm-hmm. but it's not something that I absolutely it's not something I like absolutely love on first viewing right because there's nobody that I've atta- I could emotionally attach myself to That's weird cuz I felt Elizabeth Taylor kind of was that person She's probably she's probably the the most likable like She's probably the nicest person in the movie. Yeah. But she's also, like, she's also maybe the m- most naive person in the movie, um, where she just, she doesn't, like, I mean, she they're, she and Paul Newman are not good at communicating with one another in the slightest. Like, they just, like, she, she's, the more she talks, the less he, the Listen. more he backs away. Right. And so... Like it, that kind of graded on me because like you're not, they're not actually listening to each other, even though like all they need to do is to take a breath and sit calmly and talk. But by her like, like going on and like scratching, yeah, for, as it as it would like scratching on a doorpost to get his attention, right? He's he's going further. He's going further and further right. Back. And to me, that's life. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Like, but I'm not saying that it's not accurate or that's life. I'm right. saying that. I like I didn't attach myself to any particular character. Mm. Um, all right, I can I can kind of see that because I agree. Like Paul Newman is is very dislikable throughout most of this movie. It's really till the end that you really um, you. But I mean, the movie's really. But he also, also thinks his wife cheated on him. It also kind of feels right, but it's also so you like he's maybe the most sympathetic, 
because yeah. he has what he believes good reason right to although be you don't way. know why like right which is why think... he's very unlikable for right. most of the movie yeah um on a side note everyone talks about elizabeth taylor's eyes as like the this this radiant thing they are why is nobody talking about paul newman's eyes because those things are people always talk about paul newman i've eyes. never heard anybody talk about his eyes you don't run in good circles apparently i run in the same circles you run in and I'm always talking about Paul Newman's eyes. It's a little. I meant to bring that up at the last party. <laughs> Nobody cared. It was a little uncomfortable. <laughs> um, oh yeah, Paul Newman's you know cool blue eyes. Oh, cool hand, Lou. Cool blue eyes. I see yeah, what you did see? there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, aside. So yeah, he thinks she cheated on him. Um, which I guess she almost did, but didn't. Is how the story ended up being, right? Yeah, something like and that. And then the guy that she was gonna, she was going to cheat on him with before she decided not to, mm-hmm. ended up like throwing himself out a window. It is very complicated. It is very complicated. So, like, so when I say like I didn't attach myself to any character, like I'm not recognizing that this this is a very well executed yeah. script. Like, it's a ten out of ten. Like, you don't get much better than Tennessee Williams. Like, even like the idea of like. It's big. It's Big Daddy's birthday, so we're confronting the thing with aging thing, but we're also confronting this death thing. Yeah, and it's all that all plays together because the you know the the you, the, the, you know you're one year older, so you're one year closer to death, and like, but he's already closer to death than his like than he would be even if he turned right. because of his cancer. There's all that stuff. There's also like Paul Newman's got a broken leg, and so it's like he's and got he's a, a broken individual. And he's a broken individual, but then like when his crutch snaps in the car door right. that's when he's actually able to walk again so it's like he's able to fix his life by breaking his crutch yeah you know what i mean like the crutch that is his alcoholism like, yeah it's like it's all there symbolism it, right it's all there it's all so well executed and that's the stuff that i really enjoyed about the movie but i'm saying that because the characters are not there's no, there wasn't one character that i was really like you're my dude or you're yeah. my dude you know it seems like um because as you said Tennessee Williams is famous for um for a lot of things not just this Street Desire Street Kind Desire wasn't was Glass Menagerie I believe is also yeah I think so. uh one of his um but the thing is it feels to me like every time I've heard about a Tennessee Williams play movie whatever it sounded like the characters are always the same yeah, it's, it's a. I mean, like he knows he knows what he's good at, and he does it over and over again. Um, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. But I mean, I'm, a lot of people do that. Yeah, but I'm wondering if, like, because like there's only so many places you can go with this sort of thing. I'm wondering if this runs into a problem. Like, if you've seen any other Tennessee Williams thing first, does it lessen? His other stuff when you see it. Like, I've never seen Streetcar Named Desire. That's good. Um, so this is my first exposure to Tennessee Williams oh. that I can think of. Interesting. Um, and you're right. The writing is the writing is really good. It's very it's very captivating. And I th- I also like the chemistry between all the actors. I think oh, all yeah. the actors have really good chemistry. I like, agree. This is a master class in storytelling. Yep. Um, so I can, I can agree that you might not be able to identify with the individuals. Um, yeah, but I I mean, a good, I don't always, 
you don't always have to identify with somebody to appreciate the story. Right. Like, again, I don't appreciate with anybody in Gatsby, and nor really should you, because, like, who are you going to, you're going to walk around being like, oh, yeah, I really, I really empathize with Tom in this story, you know? Right. He's really just down on his luck, that guy. You know, you're not, Nick is really supposed to be your entryway, but, like, the whole point is that Nick is kind of degraded as a person because of because of all of these people and the terrible lives that they lead even if you think that they're like altruistic and it's all for love or whatever like they're not it, none of it's all for love great it's not like none of it's happening the right way like they're not doing it the right way so and this movie is kind of like none of you are doing life the right way mm-hmm. um and I'm not saying that's a bad thing because that's how most people live. So it's it's accurate and reflects people. It just doesn't yeah. reflect it doesn't reflect me, and that's okay because right. I wouldn't want to live in this world. I don't know. You kind of remind this me family. of our lives. I'm you know at the end of the day I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so please tell me that Bro Lives won. Nobody won anything. Ah, oh. this movie was nominated for every for a bunch of stuff. Didn't nobody won anything? Poor Bro Lives. Nope, didn't win. That saddens me so much right now. I know. Speaking of another movie that didn't win anything, <laughs> Auntie Mame. Yes. Um, directed by Morton DeCosta, starring Rosalind Russell and Forrest Tucker. Written by Betty and Betty Veronica? Condon and oh. Adolph Green. Okay. Um, so Auntie Mame is about this woman named Mame, who is a wealthy socialite whose um, nephew comes to... Live with her, live with her um, after the demise of his parental units, um, and she takes and she takes him under her wing very very kindly. And um, but she very quickly after taking him in loses all of her money in the 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 cra- uh, the, the yes, stock which, market and the crash, which was really weird because I just felt like mentally. Mm-hmm. I put this movie in the year that it was actually done, and I'm oh. like, there was a stock market crash in the 1950s. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it, it's funny because it, it, even though it is a kind of a, it's a period piece, it didn't feel like yeah. one the same way. I agree with you. Um, and then so the rest of the movie is about them like learning how to be poor, and then she meets a wealthy guy, and then they're wealthy again, and then he grows up and he's in college, and he brings home like this girl he wants to marry, and she's not right for him, and like right. it kind of goes through their whole life together, right? Um, and it's it's cute. It's a it's a very cute movie that is not as good as the musical that is that it's based on. It's based off a musical. No, so Auntie Mame became a musical in the 70s. That's okay. where we need a little Christmas right this very minute. That's, really? That, cause she actually says the line in the movie. Okay. Because like, he gives her the Christmas present. Right, right, right. And he's like, it's like not a week. And she gives her the, the help, uh, the Christmas right, present. Right. And, they're like, why? And, they're, and they're like, why are you doing this? It's not Christmas yet. She's like, because we need a little Christmas. Yeah. Like, that's where it comes from. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so, I mean, I... I grew up watching the Mame the the musical with yep. Lucille Ball, and so watching this without that kind of feels like watching Pygmalion. After seeing My Fair Lady so much, you're like something's just missing right here. Um, 
But it's cute. It's a cute. It's a cute movie. I think. It, I think it looks great. Yes. I think. I think the sets and the houses and the costumes and the even the scope of it. They're like on a mountain and like all, all of it. Like <laughs> they're on a mountain with an obviously painted backdrop. Oh, so painted. They even sound in, like they're in on the a studio. Yeah, it sounds like they're on a sound stage. This like that um, like hollow echo that I think they were like going for. It's the mountain echo, but right. It's, it but then they do the like same it. thing when they're at the pyramids too. Yep, that's right. Which um, is definitely the same sound stage. So one of the things that that this this project has made me realize is how much I love um, the early the early look of uh, full color movies. Okay, like I just love I just love how how bright and oversaturated the colors are. Very. Um, so that that aside, I agree with you. This is a this is a cute movie. But it wears out its it wears out its thing very early. This is a two and a half hour movie that I think if you cap it at an hour and a half, yep. this movie is so much better. Yeah, I it this mo- it's almost two and a half hours, and you really feel it. By yeah, the end of the film. because you're right. Like they like the kid gets there, and she's this bonky socialite who kind of reminded me a bit of. Um, uh, Holly Golightly at times. Okay, where she's just like erratic and she's just bouncing all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I thought she has like really good lines the first time you see her, and even the second time you see her. And she's kind of, you know, she kind of meets this guy, and she's like, "Well, I have this kid in my life now. I should start settling down." And then the the stock market, um, the stock market crashes, and they go into the depression, and then. And then the movie for the and that's like the hour mark. Yep. The next hour and a half is just episodic. Yeah. Here we are at this thing. Here we are at this thing. And right. I think I think the I think it actually becomes a little more interesting once her second husband or, or her husband um, dies. Um, kind right. of comedically. Yeah, he falls off the mountain. You can definitely see it coming, too. Like, don't hold on this or you'll trip. Yep, yep. Like, okay. (laughs) Um, But it kind of lilts in between this. Am I supposed to be sad? Am I supposed to be enjoying myself? Like, you know, I'm not not really sure. But I, like, that's actually the scene. Probably my favorite scene is when when the kid, name I can't remember, Jack, maybe? Can't remember. Brings home his fiance. Right. And she is the worst yeah, yeah and and i think i think this movie works because rosalind russell's facial expressions yeah like she she's able to shift so quickly and show what she's thinking so this who this woman who is so exuberant uh and comedic and fun and witty and all this stuff but she keeps a lot of it inside and yeah. you can see it on her you can see it on her face for the audience yeah and that that's what really that's what worked for me mm-hmm. um but the rest of the, the rest of the movie was just it, it was cute the, but whatever yeah the the episodic parts are just like all right here's the depression so now she has to go to work and you see her you know get fired from the inevitable like two jobs yep and then they, you know, they have Christmas, and then they're no longer poor because now she's dating. Now she's a, dating the rich oil, oil baron. Yep. Um, and the whole like fish out of water thing of her going to meet his family. That stuff with the horse was really funny. Yeah, actually, like she this, couldn't get the boots on, like, so she had to walk yeah. out. And, yeah. After the first hour, I feel like this movie really, 
really drags and drags and drags. But it does. It still has its moments. I thought it's just funny because I thought it dragged a little more at the beginning, and then the stuff with her on the plantation. I thought that was the strongest bit of the movie. Mm, I found okay. it the most. I found it the most amusing, and then it started to, and then it started to drag again by the end. Yeah. And then you have like the last episode of the whole thing in their house with the, with the fiance, and like she has this idea of like ruining this relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Although there's there's one part uh, at the very beginning, they're taking the cab to her to his aunt's, mm-hmm. um, him and his nurse or whatever. Yeah, and so they're in the taxi and they get there, and he's like, "Oh, that'll be ninety five cents." And she hands him a buck, and he's like, oh, thanks. And I can't tell if, like, in this time period, like, is five cents not a good tip? No, is five, five cents, cents a lot? Five cents like, is a I good. Like, I think it's a lot back five then. Five cents is a good tip. But, like, he doesn't, it doesn't come across that way when he's like, ah, oh, thanks. I, I don't know. I I don't know. Actually, I wasn't really paying attention that much. No, just kidding. I think it's a good, yeah, it's a fine tip. So maybe not the greatest tip in the world, but. Well, back then, I think it might be. Yeah. 95 cents she gives him a buck whatever yeah i don't think Mame. i mean Mame doesn't she's not i mean a shave and a haircut's two bits right she's not she's uh <laughs> she's not uh Mame's not cheap because the first time we see her she's throwing a lavish party yes so i don't and like she and her like the help and like the staff her staff love her like yeah. it's not like they're so much so that they're willing to go unpaid right exactly to keep working yeah. with her so I, yeah I would say it's a good I tip. also I also love in the beginning when we first meet her and she's bouncing around the party and she's talking to the guest of honor this mm-hmm. was a, this Russian like musician and she turns to the woman and she's like do you know about this guy uh, I'm his wife yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh then you do oh good <laughs> yeah I, okay, she. She really sells. She's the best part of. This she's movie. the best part yeah. of this movie. I yeah. Uh, separate tables. Separate chairs at separate tables. That's really the tone of this movie. It really it? is. Yeah. Um, directed by uh, Delbert Mann, written by Terence Rattigan. Oh, Rattigan. Um, <laughs> who wrote that? He wrote the play. Uh, John Gay wrote the film, starring. Rita Hayworth, Deborah Kerr, David Niven, and Burt Lancaster. Oh, okay. Um, this movie was a movie. It's it takes it's it, it's in it's about a, a British hotel and everybody's lives kind of intertwine with one another in the hotel. Yeah. Um, and this you know a divorced couple that's like trying trying to love again, and then there's a. A military guy that's not all what he seems, and like all, and all of it kind of plays out. There's together. this young couple that are in love but don't want anyone to know, and then that same married couple who, or that same couple who's you know trying to find love mm-hmm. again. One of them is, you know, also with the uh, person who runs Rest the establishment. Yeah, it's all it's all intertwined. I yeah. did like that scene at the end. The young couple that's like, how many kids should we have? I think we'll start with three. See, <laughs> I think the guy's like, ah, <laughs> no, that's not yeah. that's not what happened. Uh, that scene at the end. Yeah, it, the woman is the one who keeps like pushing. You know, you know, let you know. I want us to be a couple, and I want us to be out. So, like to me, like that scene is him just being like, if I go over the top with this, she'll kind of. 
back mm-hmm. off like yep in the way she's trying to approach it so he's like we should have three kids and what do you think and like the wife in the woman's hair going oh, a, a, a crap mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um so this is basically like very different stages of relationships yeah it's it's kind of love actually light uh, this is a you know, little is, less intertwined <laughs> but and a lot less about Christmas and not as good feeling by the end. But yeah. Yeah. This is Love Actually Sucks. <laughs> so you do not like this movie. <laughs> I just meant like after watching this movie, you don't sit there going, I should really be in a relationship. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> like yeah. Um, I don't know. The movie just kind of bounces around too much for me. Um, no one ever really seems to have clear motivation as to what they're doing mm. or why they're doing it. Um, I think the, actually, I think Rita Hayworth's character has pretty clear motivation, actually. But there's another one that, like, we talked about, like, layers of layers of meaning. And that's another one where you're like, are, do, you, are you, do you mean what you say you mean right now? Yeah. Or, yeah, and it's all, that's all, it's all, it's all very whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. This feels like a play. What is a play? Well, no, but I mean, like, this feels like a direct adaptation to a play, but no one bothered to stop and figure, should we actually adapt this play? Oh, sure, 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 sure. Um, like, I wouldn't have been surprised if you would have told me, like, this was a filming of the of the stage version. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I... You mean like they didn't like? You mean they didn't take the script and adapt it in any way? Right. But they just like they just took. Yeah, I can see. I I can definitely see that. Well, I hate to break it to you, this one best writing. No, I'm just kidding. No, it didn't. <laughs> no you didn't. No, <laughs> that other movie that shouldn't have won best writing won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Well, that one best original content. Ah. Um. Because you know the, there's two. Right. There's adapted. And there's original. adapted and original. So, um. Yeah. This was all fine. I thought even just like the. It, now this is this I thought the acting was fine but it wasn't great. Yeah. Um I mean Ray, I think Rita Hayworth was good. There was no Shawshank redemption, you know, here. Nobody yeah. got redeemed. No. Nope. Nobody escaped from a tunnel of poop, so you know. Yeah. I don't know what she was doing here. But uh um but actually um David Niv- David Niv- uh David Niven mm-hmm. won best actor. Um, he was also the co-host of the Oscars that year, so it's one of the only times in Oscar history <laughs> where the co-host had, where you know what? I'm, won. I'm I'm wondering now if he actually won or if he just like took the card and was like, and the winner is me, me for a movie <laughs> that I will edit myself into later. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so he won, and Wendy Hiller won for best supporting actress, which is, I think it was one of the um, one of the the little la- the one of the little ladies. She wasn't like the main old lady, right? I'm not sure. I honestly have yeah. no idea. Um, he was good in this. I've seen him better. Like I've seen him in because he is also in Casino Royale, if I remember correctly. You thought he was better in that Casino terrible Royale. movie? Yeah. The, the you, sp- you talk about the spoof, right? Yeah. Yeah, that movie's not good. Oh, that movie's hilarious. You're a strange person. Yeah, yeah. but this movie, he's good. Um, I don't know. I think people are wasted in this movie. Ah, uh, yeah, totally. And I think there's just too much going on to be able to to figure out one thing well. Like instead of writing one good story, 
this writer decided to opt for writing four mediocre, four mediocre stories. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I, yeah, I did not love this movie. I didn't like. I didn't really like the way that it was shot. Yeah. Um. I. I didn't attach again. It's another I, movie where I didn't. I did kind of like the ending where like the whole thing with the the whole thing with the um, not the captain, the um, major, major, yeah, and like they all kind of just like, fucked yeah, up we and, yeah, we don't care that you apparently did something in the in the movie theater. Yeah, the 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 crowd that which he thought would judge them didn't judge them, and I and I, I judge him, and I I thought that was that was nice. Yeah. Um, but that was like, eh, okay. yeah. I mean, I liked the setting. I liked, I liked how the this inn looked that they lived in. I mean, it was supposed to be a hotel. Kind of looked more of like a, a New Heart Inn. Sure, it looks like a bed and breakfast. Yeah. Yeah, but apparently, like this is an actual hotel where these people live. Or they're just renting out the yeah okay no like the, like that's the whole thing like this this takes place at a time where like it's it's down season so the only people in this place oh. are the ones that are there long term oh I see I see I see okay well either way it was all all of it was just fine the production design the costumes but it. like yeah it's not long for yeah. a, I just wish it was better I wonder if the I wonder if the play is is better because it gives you more time to get into characters. It's very possible, but because of this movie, I would not want to watch the play. I agree. I wouldn't want to sit and just like, yeah. oh, good, it's another hour of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree. Didn't didn't care for it. Moving on. To Gigi. Gigi. Uh, directed by Vicente Minnelli, written by Alan J. Lerner, starring Leslie Karen, Maurice Chevalier, Luis Jordan, and Hermione Gingold. What a movie this was. It, it was certainly a movie that we watched together <laughs> that, and separately at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so right off the bat, I want to I want to point out mm-hmm. that I did not know that this is the movie that the song uh, "Thank Heaven for Little for Little Girls" comes from. Oh, you know it's funny because I didn't know this was the musical where um, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but like I'll um, just like you were wearing gold, I was in blue. <laughs> like ah <laughs> uh, yes, I remember that. I can't remember the name of the song, but I I've, I've known about that song for years, and right. I didn't know this is where it came from. So when it um, popped up, I was like, oh, I'm very. <laughs> I'm yeah. very excited. I also didn't know this movie was a musical. So when Maurice Chevalier that, started that I to sing, know. I didn't. And when I was watching the beginning, I was like, oh, it feels like Sunday in the Park with George or something right. like that. And and I was like, it feels like it's got like a musical. And then two minutes later, Maurice Chevalier starts singing. I was like, it is a musical. How so, about that? So given the context now that I know that song is in this movie. Mm-hmm. That is a very, very creepy song. The one that sings at the end? No, the one that he sings at the beginning. This old man thanking heaven for little girls. It comes oh. off very creepy oh, I didn't, watching this in context. I didn't I didn't think that because I don't think... It's hard to tell how old Gigi's... The story is that um, there's, this, there's this young girl, Gigi. She lives with her grandmother and... And mother. Who is not right and yeah, who is she's not always well off camera? Off camera, who is not well enough to take care of her, and so it's really grandmother and her great aunt that take care of her, and um, and she has this 
patron, this guy that looks after Petron. her. Petron. Yes, it all takes place in Paris. Um, and he's kind of Louis Jordan, who's kind of a, he's a man about town and, you know, he loves yeah. the life, but he actually hates it very much. Um, and he's expected to be like, you know, throw the party and find the girl and like all this like, deb- you know, debutante yeah. stuff and, and he hates it. And so the kind of like little light in his life is Gigi and as she's kind of grow as she like grows up into this, like becoming a woman, he starts to be like, Hey, this is act like I have like I'm actually happy in myself with her as opposed to right. wanting to kill myself with everybody else. Right. Like I'm I'm so happy with her that I want her to be my consort. And I'm going and that's what, you know, I'm going to come up with a I'm going to come up with a financial bargain with the family for her to be my consort. Mm. Ah, the hell with it. I'll just marry her. Yeah. What a thing this was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean. What a story that doesn't hold up anymore. Oh, absolutely not. So, it looks pretty. It looks. Yeah, uh, it looks great. It looks great. Um, I like the shots of Paris. Um, my favorite part of this movie is Gigi. Oh, it's my, like, my favorite part is Maurice Chevalier. Oh, I, I do like him, too. Yeah. But I really like. She was I, great. I love this girl. Yeah. Um, she's, how, a, she's a spitfire. How old do you think she's supposed to be? Because um, she looks like she's in her 20s. I want to say teens. I want to say, like, this is right before, like, because this is around the time, this is around the era where you would still have, like, the coming out season. Yes. Um, and I feel like she's right around that time. Sure. Her cotillion. Yeah. Her cotillion. That yeah. was it. Um, and I really love her song of, I love her song to, in the beginning where she's like, I don't understand Parisians, like always being in love and everything's about love. That was, that's a good, that is a good song. You know, I yeah. just, that song I really like. So I think the, the, this whole movie, I, you know, I can definitely watching the movie, I can definitely see why it won. Like you can see all the bits in motion, kind of mm-hmm. like the story's cute, it's well acted, the music's fun, it looks great, it feels you like it in a simpler time, maybe or a younger yeah, time. It, like, it's a fun. It movie. leaves you feeling good at the end of it. It's yeah. like it's it's fun. It's nice. I like the interplay between between them. Yep. You know, she's in a, actually a lot less than I expected her to be too, um, because it's really uh, what is his name, um, the patron there. Petron. Uh, Petron. Uh, Petron. I, Petron. I believe it is the Vicomte de Chani. I believe you are incorrect. Yeah, probably. Uh, but, but nice try. You're right. She's not in as much of the movie as I thought she would be, but the scenes that she's in, she dominates. Oh, yeah. She's great. Everybody. I think everybody's great in this movie. Like. La Chalie. Like. Gaston. His name is Gaston. Oh, I that's right. I should have known that. Yeah. That's right, because I was even going to make a joke that, you know... Gosh, it disturbs me to I was see you, Gaston. <laughs> like, after after he breaks up with the girl, because <laughs> I, I actually watched... It was funny, like, I was watching this in the in the morning, uh, and I went to go pour myself a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. and when I came back, he was like, oh, we're going to be over, and I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I missed something. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, we got we to gotta record this in two hours, so I can't go back. I, it's funny. I watched Gigi today too. I watched it this morning. I like woke up and I was like, Ugh. "All right, last movie. Got to do this." Yeah. Ooh, this, the grind of these watching f- these movies uh, to record is you just know what I, ridiculous. This, I I read 
what each of these were about. And while I looked wow. forward, I looked forward to two movies. I would look forward to Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and Gigi. Mm-hmm. The other three, I either didn't know about initially or like, oh man, those. Actually, those, those could are the be... two that I also looked forward to. Actually, uh, I was looking forward to Auntie Mame, but only because I originally thought it was the musical, and yeah. then I was like, oh no, I'm in the wrong era. So I initially read, I initially watched Cat on a Hot Tin Roof first, and then I tried watching the Defiant ones, and something came up, and I couldn't. And this week, this was the first week that this happened to me. Mm. I literally did four movies in the last day. Oh. And I worked till 8 p.m. yesterday. Oh, my goodness. You must be exhausted. I I crammed in I crammed in the Defiant Ones, uh, Separate Tables, and half of Auntie Mame last night. Whoa. And then I woke up this morning, watched the last hour of Auntie Mame, and Gigi. And this is the first week that is is done this. And I don't know if it was because of the, the content of the movies. It was just, yeah, like, it was difficult. It's, um, it's funny that you say that because I actually crammed all these two because peek behind the curtain this week was my, uh, this week was my birthday. Yes. And so I've been like going out every night with, or during the day with like somebody different, like to celebrate my birthday. So I've like, I barely had time to watch right. these movies. So it was always like. I was like really cutting it under the wire. Yeah, um, and just think this this has just prepared us for that week of ten movies coming oh, up. Nineteen forty nine. You're gonna kill 39. me. Forty nine. Forty nine is forty nine. Hamlet and four other movies. Hamlet and four other yeah. movies. Good. <laughs> um, so that the, being the said, Treasure like, of Sierra Madre is also oh, in forty nine. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that being said, like, so yeah, I walked out, and so I didn't know why they had to break up. Um, but when I got back to that part, I mean, she didn't really know either. <laughs> that yeah. makes you feel better. <laughs> He's um, like, "Okay, bye. I got to think about stuff." Right? <laughs> yeah. But like he would. Well, I think I think it had something to do. Like she flirted with the skating instructor. Yeah. Um. So like he was kind of broken up about it, and his uncle's there, and he's like, "Oh, you know, cheer up." And I really wanted him to break out into Gaston at that point. Gosh, just I would love Maury Chevalier yeah. singing. LeFou is in Gaston. The other thing was like listening to Maurice Chevalier. I'm like, oh, that's LeFou. Oh, not LeFou. Um, the the candelabra. Oh, Lumiere. Yeah, Lumiere. I'm like, I wonder if I wonder if um, I don't think it was. That would have been too perfect. But I'm like, they must have based it off of this guy. Um, I and mean, maybe it's this very, character. It's very. I mean, it's very possible. Yeah, the character is is very similar, especially where you're like, oh, I've been burned by you before. I mean, Maurice Chevalier is like the the pinnacle of, um, of like movie Frenchman. You know, so even oh, if you've I never seen, was, even if you've never seen him in a movie, you probably have heard his name. I thought it was that. Uh, I thought it was that French mime there. Marcel Marceau. Yeah. Oh, that's there you go. That's another, that's another good one. Um, so yeah, this movie was this movie's cute. Yeah. But, um, and I and I I definitely get why it won Best Picture at the time because you're right. The Academy does love a musical. Um, but I, but I don't think it does. I don't think it deserves it. I I like this movie. I don't love this movie. This is probably. I don't know if I would watch this again. I would recommend people to watch it. Yeah, that's the same. Um, and I would recommend people to watch it because I just love her performance so much. Same. Um, like the the music isn't even like that great. Some of the songs. There's, there's some like, of the songs are good. There's a couple good songs, but 
it's nothing to stand out. And I like how it kind of looks, although I, I like cat on a, how Cat on a Hot Tin Roof looks more. Yep. Um, but I just like the colors of this era. So that being said... Um, the Oscar goes to... Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. The Defiant Ones. Yeah, you're wrong. Yeah, I you're just being very defiant. I, this. I am. I don't think you're. I don't think you're wrong yeah. either. I don't think your. I don't think your choices of. I don't think your choice of movie is wrong, and it came close just because I think it all really fits in and plays really well together, and it does really hold up in terms of. It does really hold up in terms of you know modern relevance. Yeah. But I think. But I. I think the Defiant Ones. The fine one is still made like, like the movie was made in 1959, and we're still like, we're still struggling with this, right? With this yeah. aspect, and I think, I think it just, given given our world's current climate, I think that it just hit harder for me than than Cat and Hot Tin Roof. Yeah, also because I, I found, I didn't. I mean, I certainly like again didn't like connect with Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis, right? Um. Like I didn't connect with anybody in hot tin, it, hot tin roof, but it just there was something about it that like it stuck. It, it sit with me a little bit more. So I I agree with your choice. And yeah. but on another day I might have chosen hot tin roof. Yeah. So but but I think that's that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I will say, um, you know, I I thought about asking this question once we finish this decade. But I will say, as of right now, this was my least favorite year. This was also this, my this was this, this was also my least favorite year. Like even that, like I liked like the to me the divide between what I think should have won in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof mm. and Gigi is decent. Like I think there's a I think it's a gap. Yeah, and it's a pretty obvious gap. Like last week, I was like, you know, this movie, you know, Oliver by like a hair. Yep. Uh, but this week, I think there's an, a noticeable gap between Count and Hutton Roof and Gigi. But then there's a huge gulf between, for me, between Gigi and the other three. Mm. Um, but I know you did like Defiant Ones a little bit more. So I could see, like, I think we both agree, like, separate tables and. Um, Auntie Mame. Yeah. I did like Auntie Mame. I thought Auntie Mae was dragged a lot, and it kind of it did. I think, I think all of them. The I think all of them had bits that I really enjoyed, yeah. or most had bits that I really enjoyed. But I had a hard time kind of pulling one together yeah. cohesively. There was no like, like, there was no really good movie. There was some good scenes, except yes. Cat on Hutton Roof or The Defiant Ones in your case. Yeah, so that's true. Out of actually all the years so far that we've out of that we've done, yeah, what year has been your favorite so far? Because we can, so we said fifty nine has been our our least favorite. So yeah. what's been your favorite? I would, I would honestly probably say uh, maybe no ninety nine, maybe ninety nine. So Shakespeare in Love, Saving Private Ryan, Thin Red Line. Um, <laughs> you're like, dang it, yeah, because <laughs> you named the three that I remembered. Uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yep. And uh, that movie with the guys and the things. The movie with the guys and the things. I'm pretty sure there were guys and things in the movie. 
guys and things. We're just a bunch it's of life. Oh, His life is beautiful. Crap. Then I meant 2009. <laughs> I was trying to. It's whatever year Life is Beautiful was not in. It's not. Nice. So 2009. I was real when he said when he said 99. I was like, really? Yeah. That's the year you're going with. 2009 was Frost Nixon, Benjamin yes, Button, Reader, Milk, yep. and Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. yeah. As much as I hate Slumdog Millionaire, and was lukewarm on Benjamin Button, I felt the other three were really solid. Um, even though like I had a clear winner that year, sure the movies were at least a little bit more enjoyable. Um, Ninety nine, unfortunately, if you if you separate Thin Red Line and Life Is Beautiful, mm-hmm. it's a better year. Hmm. Okay, I can see that. Sixty nine has been my favorite so yeah. far. Uh, actually, Funny Girl, Romeo and Juliet, all for Rachel, Rachel and the Lion in the Winter. I, apart from Rachel, Rachel, I, <laughs> apart from that movie, because they needed five nominees and only five movies yeah, were made. Apart from Rachel, year. Rachel, I loved all of those movies. Yeah. Like I highly enjoyed watching every single one of them. So. Uh, I did enjoy most of them. Um, and you know, I will, I will broach this. We'll broach the subject again uh, at the very end of the decade. Because I mean, we have three more years, so. Something could be better, something could be worse, but I want you to also think about, at the end, the question I will ask in 1929, out of the entire nines, what is your favorite movie? Oh, good question. Yeah. We'll come to that. We'll, we will come to that. It's called a tease in the business. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> All right, so you can find us at Academy Rewind on Twitter and Gmail. You are more than welcome to rate and review us on iTunes uh, and leave us uh, any kind of star review. Four and five really help out. Um, however these things, however these mechanics work. Um, tell your friends. Tell your not friends. Yeah, whatever. tell your enemies. Tell your friends. Tw- tell your this is a new podcast, and it's always it's always a little difficult gaining an audience with a new podcast. So we really appreciate you pushing that out there as much as possible. Um, you are also welcome to head over to patreon.com slash audio to look at to look at list rewards for um uh, for all of our other show, uh, for all of our other shows, um, to think about uh, becoming a donor uh, to keep the lights on, uh, we have Beer with Geeks and Supergirl TV Talk with potential for more on the way. And so um, that all ends that. Uh, so, do you have anything to say? Uh, no, no, I don't. Great. Well, then they're playing our they're playing our music off. No, wait, I have people to thank. Bad. Bye. Oh, bye. bye.